Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohei Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. So this week we read Parshat Lodcha, which contains the turning point in Sefer Bamidbar when things start to go horribly, horribly wrong. And they start to go horribly wrong by the people complaining. Um, and they're complaining about the lack of all the foods that they had in Egypt. And that's actually what the episode was about last year. And if you want, you can go check that out. And so what I wanted to focus on today was Moshe's reaction to all of this. Now, Moshe does not handle this very well. Um, we're told in chapter 11, verse 10, that he hears the people, they're boche, they're crying, and vaychar me'od Moshe ra. Right? And God gets very angry, and in Moshe's eyes, this was very, very bad. And so then Moshe immediately says to God, Lama hariota le'abdecha. Right? Why have you dealt ill with your servant? Why have you done bad things to me? Right? According to Moshe, what was bad? that he has to deal with the people that they're kvetching and now they're his problem. And he says to, to God, some of this, these sort of famous ideas that, you know, was, am I the mother of these people, right? Did I gestate them? And now I have to, you know, take care of them like they're a little baby and nurse them and all these things. Like, what, this is, these are not my people, right? Like, this wasn't my idea, is kind of what he's saying. Um, they're not my children, they're not my kids, and so therefore, like, why is this all on me? And he reveals more of what exactly is disturbing him in the next passage, where he says, where am I going to get all this meat to feed these people? Right? But a ton of people are quetching. The only way to appease them is to actually give them meat, which they want. And what, like, um, where am I going to get that, he says, right? And then he just says, And he, the penultimate pasuk of his reaction is, I can't carry all these people by myself. It's too much for me. And then, hoy, the ultimate one in verse 15, being kacha ato seli harginina harog If this is what you're going to do with me, I'd rather you just kill me, right? If I found favor in your eyes, says Moshe, just, I don't want to, I, I, I just don't want to see any of this bad stuff or my bad stuff, which you could do a whole psychoanalysis about what that means, right? So now you just think about it for a minute, Moshe, they're complaining. Moshe kind of hits rock bottom very, very quickly here, right? He's panicking. He's yelling at God. He's saying, these aren't my people. Please just kill me. I can't deal with this, right? All of this is bad. I feel bad about myself. I'm angry at the people, etc. Really, really, really negative reaction. And it's very clear that Moshe is in a very bad space when he says this. Interestingly, what is God's reaction to Moshe? God then says, all right, here's what you're going to do. Go find 70 from Israel's elders, right? And the, who you know are elders and who serve as officers of the people, right? Some people, people, elders have some kind of an authority and bring them to the Ohamoid and I let, and they'll stand there with you. And Hashem continues, I'm going to come down and I'm going to speak with you there. I'm going to take the spirit that's on you. I'm going to put it on them as well so that they can help carry the burden or they can help carry the responsibility of these people and you don't have to do it alone. Right, Hashem doesn't respond by lashing back out at Moshe. God responds by saying, you know what, all right, fine. Yeah, I get it. You're doing this all alone. You feel completely alone. You clearly, this is destructive for you. And so get those 70 people 
we're going to share the love, so to speak, or perhaps share the hate here. And then, um, and then, you know, tell the people tomorrow you're going to eat meat. And okay. <clears throat> so, um, then we scroll down a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Moshe still isn't convinced. He says to God, what are you talking about? Like, we don't, I've got 600,000 just, you know, soldiers even. And, um, how are we even going to, you know, feed, how are we going to feed them? Right. We don't have enough animals. It's a huge undertaking. And God has to respond to Moshe and say like, um, hello, I'm God, by the way, you know, in case you forgot, there's no limit to my power. So please just, you know, calm down and go worry about something else. Fine. So then Moshe tells the people to get ready. And then he gets those 70 elders. And then God does exactly what God said. The spirit rests, God's spirit comes down, rests on them. And then the Nabuva lo yasafu, right? They spoke, they, they prophesied. It works. But then they didn't continue. Now, 26, verse 26 is where this little story that I want to look at actually starts. Two of those 70, one named Eldad and one is named Medad. They had stayed in the camp. They hadn't followed the instructions for whatever reason. There's a lot of different an analysis of what those reasons are. They did not go to the Ohum Mohid like Moshe had commanded. They stayed in the camp. And yet what happened? They still got Hashem's spirit upon them. And so they just start prophesizing in the Machane in the camp and not at the Ohum Mohid where the other 68 are. Right? So you can imagine the scene of that. Like, there's, you know, Moshe plus 68 at the tent doing their own thing. Clearly the tent is where, you know, holy God business happens. Two don't go, whether it's humility, whether it's fear, stubbornness, whatever. But the process happens to them anyway. And you would imagine the people might be a little bit freaked out by this. Maybe freaked out because this is not something they're used to seeing or who knows. It just seems, it seems strange, right? Which we see because in the next Pasuk, Hana'ar, the assistant, and there's different debates about who that is, runs and tells Moshe and says, Eldad and Medad are prophesizing in the camp. So we don't know what tone it is. Eldad, I mean, excuse me, Eldad, JPS puts an uh, exclamation point in the translation at the end saying, this is like a statement of urgency, right? Or emphasis. And then, but we can tell a lot from Yehoshua's reaction. Yehoshua, who here is defined as Mesharet Moshe, Moshe's attendant, from his youth, Mibichurav, says, Adoni Moshe Kela'im, my Lord Moses, restrain them. So we can tell from Yehoshua's response alone that this is something that at minimum Yehoshua sees as a negative thing. So what does that tell us so far about how others, or at least Yehoshua, who has an inside view into Moshe, how he is seeing Moshe right now? I think he's seeing Moshe as being in a volatile place, understandably, and that anyone who doesn't follow the plan right now, and Eldad and Medan certainly didn't follow the plan by staying in the camp instead of going to the Ohel Moed, is just gonna, you know, set Moshe off more, right? It's just gonna be another thing to add to Moshe's frustration. The solution now has become the problem. And so he says, oh, what's the, what's the solution? Moshe, you got to lock them up, right? You got to do something with them. This is not okay. You have to do something with them. And that leaves us, this concludes Moshe's reaction. Moshe's reaction, the last Pasuk of the sixth Aliyah, Moshe says, Hamekane atali. 
Are you wrought up on my account? Are you, are you um, zealous on my behalf? And then he continues, And me ten kol amen Hashem nevi'im, ki ten Hashem at rucho alehem. Wish all the Hashem's people were prophets and that Hashem put the divine spirit upon them. Once again, GPS adds an exclamation point at the end of that statement, so which, which implies that Moshe is kind of you know, responding in force to Yehoshua and saying, are you kidding me? Now you're mad about like this supposed offense to me? No, I wish God put spirit on everybody. Maybe that he means that everybody was worthy. Maybe he means that therefore if Hashem's spirit was on everyone, no one would need him, right? We don't even know what exactly he's asking for here. But he seems to really be pushing back at Yoshua's idea that this, therefore, that what Eldad Amida did is worthy of them having to be physically restrained. And the way that, <coughs> the reason I went through the whole context of what happens before this story is because I, want, I was thinking this year about the way I've always understood the tone that Moshe says this in. And I think that the way, I've always sensed that Moshe here is really exasperated with Yoshua. Right, that Yoshua, I think understandably, is projecting based on Moshe's reaction to previous incidents and saying, oh no, this is going to be another thing to drive Moshe crazy. Right, and so he tries to jump in and encourage Moshe to do something about it. Right, I mean, you can imagine how tense it is for the, the assistant of the person who's having a breakdown to be present and then to see things getting worse. And that Moshe's kind of like lashing out almost the Yoshua a little bit and saying, you don't get it. You don't get what upsets me. I wish everyone had prophecy because then no one would be my problem. Or, and then it maybe it would mean all the people are worthy of it and that they wouldn't therefore fetch. Right, and so that I've always seen Moshe's retort here, response, like the GPS in that there's an exclamation point at the end, right? That Moshe is saying, ugh, Yoshua, you're you're my helper, right? You're my right hand man, and even you don't get what's upsetting me, right? Even you are misunderstanding what is setting me off. Excuse me. And so that is that's just kind of I've always seen this incident like ending on a negative note in that respect, where Moshe is once again isolated from certainly the nation. Now he's isolated even from the people who are supposedly there in his inner circle. And he's just still feeling alone. And like, no one understands what it's like to be him. And no one understands the root of his actual frustrations. And that is why I found, I just wanted to share the Kliyakar today, because I found the Kliyakar so interesting on this. So he comments on when Moshe says, what, are you zealous on my behalf? And he says, why did this interaction happen, right? What is Moshe responding to? He says, Yehoshua lefisha hayabachor bayamin. That Yehoshua, because he was still young in his age, achaz b'midat hakin'ah. He therefore held onto, he grasped onto the trait of zealousy, right? Because Yehoshua was still young, he got all worked up about this. So implying, I think, that younger people, you know, we tend to jump at things more, right? Tend to get worked up about things more. Now, he says, okay, so that is all because of his youth. And then he continues, And if Yehoshua had been elderly, right, advanced in age, 
he wouldn't be so upset about the fact that two friends sort of rose to a position of power, like one, referencing Eldad and Maydad, right? Which I think is also interesting because the Kliukar here seems to be implying that part of what is upsetting Moshe so much is that um, this is now two people prophesizing, right? Prophecy is now split from just Moshe to other people as well and into two people, Eldad and Maydad. And he then connects it to a Gemara in Baba Batra um, on uh, 75a. And he said, and the Gemara says that Yehoshua's face, excuse me, Moshe's face was like the sun. Yehoshua's face was like the moon. And then, you know, implying, therefore, that Yehoshua really, no one rose to the level of Moshe, right? Yes, Yehoshua was a great leader, but he still, he was the moon compared to Moshe's son, S-U-N. Um, and then he, he continues with this image that... <clears throat> that the moon, the moon sort of challenges this situation and says, it's impossible for two kings to use one crown, right? That the moon would challenge the world or challenge everything and say, no, two kings can't use one crown. Um, and that's just how Yehoshua would challenge, would challenge here and said, right? They now also have prophecy and they're sharing it together. Aval says the Kliakar, Moshe Hayakechama. Moshe was like the son who didn't fight it at all. Um, in fact, Moshe said, I wish I could share it with everybody. Right? So sort of like, you know, the sun can share its its light with everyone. The sun is the most dominant force in the sky. So the sun doesn't care if other people, you know, other whatever celestial beings want to come and, and take some of the glory, right? And share with him. Because it's the sun. But the moon, the moon who's in a smaller position, sees that and again then gets defensive and then sort of wants to, you know, say, excuse me, wait a minute, I want to protect um, my, my well, own territory, right, and protect my territory. Now, what I found was most interesting about this Kliakar, really, frankly, is the first half, where he says, what, what upset Yoshua about all of this? Simply the fact that he was young, right, but implying that if he'd been old, just like Moshe at this point is pretty old, even if it has, you know, he, if he dies at 120, then at this point he's, you know, 80, 81, that it just doesn't, Moshe never really cared in the first place, right? Moshe is saying here, I'm happy to share my light. I'm happy to share my glory with whoever. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Which I just think is so interesting because to me that really flips Moshe's entire reaction on its head. That Moshe isn't yelling at Yehoshua. He's not lashing out at Yehoshua. He's not saying, oh, you're just another person in my life who doesn't get it. Just saying, nah, you know what? You know what, Yoshua? I get it. You're young. You think this is a big deal. But guess what? It really isn't that big of a deal. It doesn't bother me. I'm old. I've seen you know, the way things in the world go. The more, the better, is basically according to how the Kliakar sees it. Which I just think the Kliakar certainly opened my eyes to that way of thinking about it. Um, as seeing as Moshe being calm. And I just wanted to raise that as something to keep in mind when you're in um, reading the Parsha this week. Is, is is Moshe really lashing out here? Is this is this situation another reflection of Moshe's frustration of the world? Or is it an example of the fact that Moshe at times can be frustrated, but at other times can be really calm and really rational and even headed? Shabbat shalom.